Good afternoon. Yeah. So uh, uh, this morning, you know, I, I just want to begin. Uh, we we sang that second song that said that went that every day. The song that went, and it was one of the lines that said, "I want to be your light shining forth." And there's a story told of this uh, author Robert Fulgham. He's written a very interesting book that says, uh, "All you need to learn in life, you learn in kindergarten." It's an interesting book. I didn't read it, but I read the reviews. Yeah, so, <laughs> but I like it. You know, you finish your school in kindergarten and you get along with life, kind of thing. So um, he used to have a whenever he attended lectures, uh, when people came in to speak, he would attend lectures and he would always ask them this question at the end of the lecture, uh, when they would ask any questions. Anyone has any questions? He would ask, "What is the meaning of life?" And uh, of course most people would smile and say well i don't think we are equipped to answer that question or they would make some reason why they couldn't answer it but over a period of time everybody got to expect when they saw him at the lecture they knew what was going to be the question and everyone used to smile and laugh because they expected whenever the the speaker said anyone has any questions everyone would put their head down and smile knowing that one hand is going to go up and he's going to ask what is the meaning of life so one day there was this greek philosopher alexander alexander papaderos and uh, he was there and he finished his lecture and he asked any questions and this author put up his hand and said uh, i have a question everyone smiled and started closing their pens and putting it away knowing that they knew the question they also knew the answer that i don't know but uh, he asked the question so what's the meaning of life and this man says well let me try to answer it and he says when i was young i was growing up in greece it was during the war and i was we were very poor a poor family and we uh, the war added to everything else and i never had toys to play with so we used to play with stones and pebbles and things around the place he says one day when i was playing i i noticed there was a german army motorcycle that had crashed and the rear view mirror had broken and there were glass pieces lying around so i took the glass pieces and i tried to piece it together but i could not and then i so i took the biggest glass piece and i started scraping it on a stone and i made it as circular as i could and then he reached out and said this is the piece and he showed it to him he said i carry it everywhere since the time i was a kid uh my job then i started playing with that glass piece and i realized i could reflect sunlight into people's faces into the houses into the shadows into the you know between the rocks uh, where this darkness i could sh- uh, shine the light so it became a game for me where where could i shine the to- uh, sunlight into how far could the sunlight go and i started playing that game but later on it became to me a metaphor in life that's why i carry it around my life's purpose is to shine light into dark spaces whether it is into people's minds or their hearts or their life my, the meaning of life is that you should be a light unto those who are in darkness and i thought that's so wonderful isn't it that we serve this god who came down and showed us what it is to be salt and light yeah amen yeah Amen. Yeah. Okay. So today I want to talk about uh, the first. Uh, uh, I want to talk about a passage. Couple. Of, actually, we're looking at three passages. Uh, you know, has anyone heard this song? What's the last word? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a song. If you've not heard about it, it's okay. You should just know the last word is love, which is why I've not put it up. <laughs> I knew someone would say love. So okay. Yeah. You know this. We serve this God who is so humble that when you read His Word, when you read the entire word he doesn't command us serve me or else you will die would we have served we would have served and we say lare this fellow doesn't understand my condition we would have grumbled complained you know been bitter but we would have served we do that in office almost every day yeah so we would have served god also and we would have not been happy but somehow we would have served but he's such a humble god 
he's given us his word as evidence and says this is who i am this is what i have done and then he invites us and says come why don't you love me and that humility that posture is such a wonderful posture he doesn't lord over us but he always in engages with us he always invites us he always draws us in he always woos us and says come to me come back to me what a god we serve today we want to look at another invitation this is the time when i'll just read matthew 11 verses 25 to 27 that says at that time jesus said i praise you father lord of heaven and earth father lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him okay matthew 11:25 to 27 the context here is this, he's talking about unbelief and then he says uh, then jesus goes on to say that i praise you father lord of heaven because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned he said the people who think they know it all you've hidden it from them and you're showing these things to people whom the world discuss, who feel these people can't contribute at all children what do they contribute their distraction i'm not saying children are a distraction i'm saying this is the way the world looks at it okay <laughs> uh, sometimes they go oh, their distraction what can they contribute they just take away what we want to do important thing they say look at how my drawing is now you know things which are not going to change life they want us to be busy in their world what are they contributing towards children are not contributors they are more they, they take from us that's the way the world looks at it and jesus is saying ah it is to these people that god is revealing his secrets don't look at them from the, to the wise those people think we know it all we, because of us everything happens he's saying those people are trying things apart from me i will reveal them to people who lean on me so he's saying i'm revealing them to children and then he makes this real exclusive comment no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and to those whom the son should reveal him so he says it's all about me you know i know the secrets i know who father is father knows who i am and only i can tell you who the father is nobody else you know it's like in in uh, in the gospel of john he says i am the way the truth and the life claiming complete exclusivity no one else and that's the stumbling block most of us face how can it be only about him most people when you go and share your faith they'll say i you know jesus great guy what do you mean only about me he's proud he's not humble that's the stumbling block but then out here he makes an amazing claim i mean and he gives an invitation and he says while you may think it's exclusive come to me all who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you take my yoke upon you and learn from me okay now there's an invitation to everybody he says you may think it's exclusive but here is an invitation to everybody and what are the qualifications you who are children because he's revealing it to infants those of you who think what can i do i am so small those who are tired those who are burdened i qualified i mean i don't know about anyone but i qualified i am tired and weary and i say like i am tired now the question is why am i tired okay why am i tired what am i tired doing and in life you know i like to think that 
there are some things I can do. You know, like, I'm not helpless. I like to think, there are some things I can do. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Till I realize, I can't even do that. When I realize how, you know, it's sin. It's because I'm trying to do things apart from God. We get tired and weary because we are trying to make life without Him. You know, I may feel that, oh, I'm, I've been, you know, I'm working in, a, in this organization. I know these type of people. I know these type of people. When I need funds, I know who I can reach out to. When I need to do some work, I know which organizations to reach out to. I know all these things. But you know what? I can't even, I don't even know what time, whether the trains are on time and whether I'll reach office on time. We are so helpless because we are so interdependent. It's nothing, there's nothing I can do on my own. I fool myself. And when I come up short, you know, we, we think sometimes we've gone for parenting seminars. Jill and I have gone for parenting seminars. And we think we know how to parent till we have a daughter. <laughs> That's the sad part, you know, you all, because you can only talk about your family. I can't talk about anyone else's family, correct? So I'm going to talk about my family. And then we realize we, are, we have to press into God. We have to lean on God for wisdom, how to raise up our children. It's, uh, we suddenly realize how limited we are in all that we can do. You can have all the money in the world and then you come up with an illness which money can't save. You suddenly realize how limited your money is. You can know all the people. You can be the most powerful man on earth. And you can still face problems which you can't do anything about. We are very, very limited. And that is what makes us weary and burdened. When we realize, when we come to the realization that without God it is not possible. And Jesus then invites and says, if you're there, come to me. What you're searching for? Rest? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And then he says something very interesting. Take my yoke upon you. Now, understand it in the, in, the, in the way those people understood it that day. He says, come to me, you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest by giving you more work. Because when you say take my yoke upon you, those days the yoke were put on oxen to work the fields. And oxen did all the hard work those days. The heaviest labor, there was no machinery that we have like we have today. All the hard work was done by the oxen. So Jesus is saying, come to me you who are tired. Now why are you tired? Because you are busy working, trying to do things which are not giving you life. You know, it's a story which I had read. How many people know how Eskimos capture wolves? Now you went for the first service, not you. <laughs> so, basically, whatever story I'm going to tell you, you have to accept it as true. Because none of you will know how to capture wolves, okay? So I'll tell you. <laughs> no, but it's actually, a, it's, this is how they capture wolves. So what they do is, they take a sharp knife, and they coat that knife with animal blood. Okay? So they coat that knife with animal blood, and then they let it freeze. So that blood gets frozen on the knife. Then they take another layer and they put it on that of blood and they put it on that knife and they let it freeze and then they put another layer of blood so they do it about four or five times and this knife now this sharp knife is coated with animal blood on it so you can't feel the sharpness of the knife because there's blood all around it then they take this knife and they stick it into the ice with the blade up and they leave it there now wolves have a sharp nose so somewhere they smell blood 
So they come, come to that knife, then they'll smell that knife and they start gently licking that knife. Now it's frozen, so they start licking that knife and they suddenly taste blood. So he starts licking it more and more. Then the layer gets, you know, as he licks the blood, the layers come out and suddenly the sharp knife is exposed. But this wolf is so eager in licking the blood, now suddenly he starts tasting warm blood. So he gets even more excited, but he doesn't realize his tongue is cut. And he's licking and he's enjoying the blood. And then he collapses dead. He has bled to death, feeding on his own blood. Isn't that what sin does to us? We think we are getting fulfillment. We think we are getting joy. We think we are getting all that we need to live. But life is draining out of us. And we don't know. And one day, it's over. That's where we are tired and weary. We are busy trying to get things apart from God. We are like that wolf licking the knife. And believe me, it will give death. It will only bring death. It will only. It's a matter of time. Some may be quicker, some may be later, but it will bring death. And all Jesus is saying, you are working so hard apart from, life, apart from God, not giving life, bringing only death. Come to me. I'll work with you and we will give life to everyone. So he's not saying, come to me and I think in Goa we understood only that part. Rest. So we have very this thing. No, but we have to work. We have to work at the, the second. The invitation is not complete with come to me and rest. The invitation is come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. That's the full invitation. We are called to give life. Work alongside Christ to give life. Learn from me. Now, we understand the come to me part. Is that okay? The invitation? The yoke part, we'll, we'll, we'll come to it later. What exactly is, we've understood why we are tired and weary because we are like that wolf licking that sharp knife. We, we are trying to do things apart from God. We get trapped and get caught up in sin and death comes our way. What is the yoke? We'll come back to, to what is the yoke in a couple of minutes. But uh, let's look at another verse in John 15. Okay, I just want to link this verse up before we go to the last part. John 15 verses 4 to 5 where Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now here's... It's very clearly linked to the previous verse where he says God is revealing himself to infants, to children who can't do anything. He says, apart from me you can do nothing. Confidently said, apart from me you can do nothing. Now, that takes a big burden out of us. You know, we can do nothing apart from Christ. But with him we can do, confidently say that also, all things. Because he is able to work through us. Now, he is not saying, remain with me. See, the invitation has gone one more step. First he's saying, take my yoke upon you. We will work side by side. But now it is remain in me. Let who I am come out of you. Remain in me. And I, as I also remain in you, you will bear much fruit. What is this fruit? We will reflect Christ wherever we go. Because we will be part of the vine. We are the branch. We will bear fruit. People will taste the fruit and say, wine is good. They will praise him. 
we will reflect his presence wherever he leads us we will reflect his presence okay so it has come to me take my yoke remain in me okay these are the three things he's saying now what is this yoke what is this yoke that he wants us to carry we'll go to matthew 22 verse 37 that says love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and then he goes on to say love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments here's something i just want to stay on for a bit jesus says this is the yoke love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and then love your neighbor as yourself everything everything hinges on this that is all i do everything hinges on these two things and that's all i do jesus says that's all come work alongside me he invites us to a place of rest invites us to carry the yoke and then says this is what i do we are to walk in the journey he is calling us to walk in now how do we display what is how do we work out this love in our lives and our daily lives how do we work it out so we asked a few people around in the church so what do you think love is it's another song you know but uh, that we won't get into that so we'll just do, how do we work out how do we show god's love how do we model his love how do we work it out in our life I think we can show love by doing small acts of kindness like opening the door for someone or if you see someone struggling with some books helping them out with that. Have to others by giving them your smile when they don't have one showing them small acts of kindness that they can make them really happy by encouraging and listening to them. You can show love to people by listening to them. you can listen to them just by listening and giving them time uh, you know uh, makes them feel more comfortable by hugging people and showing love to people and making friends so um, in my opinion we can show love by doing something that costs us outside our comfort zone Love to me means the giving of one's time, because um, time is a resource that you can never get back. You can always make more money, but you can't make more time. A very clear working out of love is how you can reach out. How you can reach out. Everybody understands love as even if it's a stranger. How can you just serve somebody? you know uh, many years ago i had met this family they were from melbourne they had uh, the husband and wife they have two children they were expecting a third and they had felt from god to move to bangkok in thailand and live in a slum now it's one thing to hear god about moving from one city to the other it's another from hearing hearing god for moving from one country to another it's a third thing when you're moving from one country to a country which is language you don't know 
And quite another thing to hear that you should stay in a slum. It's quite another thing. And there is no toilets there, there is no bathrooms. You know what a slum is. And they heard from God to move there. They have public toilets and things like that. And uh, they have two children and they're expecting a third. And they, they had friends in Bangkok who all, in, in Thailand who were also doing the same thing. So which is why when talking to them, praying with them, they felt God was stirring their hearts. So they went. So the first few weeks when they landed there, they had this house, they went into the slum. They moved directly there. They didn't stay anywhere. They got the slum, everything ready. and then, I mean, the house in the slum ready and then they moved there. And they stayed there. And so they didn't have anything to cook. They didn't know what to cook. Okay, So they used to buy food from this lady who used to make food down the road. She used to sell it in the evening. So they used to buy food, then ask her to make lunchtime and things like that. And they used to visit their friends who were already there in the city. And then some of the friends came to their house when they had kind of settled down a few days later. And they had bought food and they were eating the food. And so these people did not understand what is Thai food. They come there and they're eating it and they like it. So that's it. They like the food. So the friends come and eat and they say like, this food is amazing. Where do you get this food from? He said, I don't know. There's somebody who makes it. He's saying, we're staying here in Thailand for so long and we've never eaten food this good. This one, whoever's making this food is really good. So they call her and they say like, you know, what do you do? And this is, this is what I do. I sell food in the evening. So why don't you look at, you know, teaching others? Says, no, I don't. You know, I, I don't teach and this and that. So it goes on, this conversation goes on, they make friends with her, they keep buying food from her over a period of time. They start cooking their own food, they start buying food, continue buying food, and their relationship grows. Till one time they feel, no, we got to do something. So they take another place on rent and they say, why don't you teach some women here? And what we're going to do is we're going to teach these women here and all the women are going to go out and sell your food. What you teach them in the day, they'll go and sell in the evenings. So they do that and they start this thing and then they say, now the husbands in that slum are struggling with alcohol or drug addiction, some issues also are always coming up. So then they get the husbands involved and say, say, why don't you sell desserts and some sweet dishes at the side of your wife? She's selling this, you sell that. So that means the husband are off the streets, I mean, not in you know drinking and smoking and doing things like that, but they are actually working with their wives for those few hours and go back home. Did they stop drinking and smoking? No, but they were actually started to contribute also rather than only take money from their wives. And uh, things like this, the children started getting an education. Then they decided to make a cookbook of all her recipes. Now her pet name was, I mean, Poo, P-O-O. You know what Poo means? You know? Those who don't know, ask the people who laughed. <laughs> so they came up with a cookbook called Cooking with Poo. <laughs> and they released it in Germany and she went to Germany and for the release and I met her at a conference I was in and she was doing a cooking class and things like that and an interesting thing this family who moved from Melbourne to the slum in Bangkok they worked with her for six years before she became a Christian six years for six years no one in that, li in that slum area where this family was no one in that area became Christians. But their lives were completely transformed in that six years. Because somewhere in the fifth year, somebody asked, why are you doing this? Why are you come here? And they were able to start sharing. And lives were changed. And from the sixth year, this lady gave her life and then slowly others gave their life to Christ. Because that's what Christ did for us. See, he left his comfortable suburbs where he was king where he was glorified and honored he left that 
and came to a place that is worse than a slum. At least in a slum they could find an accommodation and stay there. He came to a place where he was hated. We considered him our enemy. But he came, fed us, cried with us, healed us and died for us. My question is what is our response to this? What is our response to this act of love? This crazy little thing which Christ did. Do we come, sing a few songs, hear a message and go home say, he must be so thrilled with me. Till we meet him on the last day. What is our response to this act of love? You know, um, I just want to go back to an analogy which we all know, it's, it's such an old one, but it's so true. It's like that glass of water where you pour water from a jug and the water overflows from the cup and goes on, spills out everywhere. We have to love the Lord with all our heart, mind and soul. We, by ourselves, we are not capable of loving. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. It's clear. But when we reach out to Him and love Him, His love fills us and then overflows into everybody else. It is through His love that we can reach out. By ourselves, we can do nothing. Question is, and this is, I mean, forgive me, it may sound like a harsh statement, but if we are not doing anything, you know why? Because we are not reaching out to Him. Because if we love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, mind and soul, we will reach out. Come to me and the yoke is put We have to ask ourselves, what is our response to Christ? Are we in the place He wants us to be? Are we loving Him with all? Because then we will serve one another. You know, Saul was so eager to kill and attack Christians. And then he met the Lord. And with as much if not more zeal, He was going out into the world to make people believe in Christ. There was that change that happened when he met the Lord. He didn't go and rest. Oh, I must stop doing this. This is bad. Let me go and sit down and do nothing. No, he went out. What is our response to this love? You know, I want to, you know, Jesus healed the blind man gave him back his sight. He healed the paralyzed man and said, get up and walk. I think today, what I want to pray for is that the Lord will open our eyes to see the suffering around us. And believe me, there is. There is a lot of suffering. If you are a person who who does not know anyone in this world who is not suffering, come get to know me. I'm suffering. At least one person you'll know. I'm struggling with a lot of things. There are so many people struggling around us. I want us, I'm praying, I want to pray that the Lord would open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, that we may see. You know, the other day I was telling Jillian, I was in the Vodafone shop, and there was this old elderly lady, she must have been in her mid-70s, and she wanted her prepaid number renewed, and they were telling her, look, it's been over a month, you've not paid, so the number gets discontinued, basically. So get me your Aadhaar card, and you know, we'll do it. And then she said, but where's your daughter? We told your daughter about it, and she's not responded at all. And that lady in a public shop, 
with I'm I'm a stranger. She must be knowing them just by face because she comes there to make a uh, do a prepaid card. She just started crying and says, "Who cares for old people these days? Nobody cares. I'm on my own. I don't even have money to pay this." And I was so pained to see something like that. To see a lady publicly speak. I mean, what must be her frustration level? I don't know their family history, so I don't know what happened. But for her to be able to speak in front of strangers that I am struggling and I am alone, and my thing is, I felt what to do. I I just know what to say to her that time. I turned to them and said, "You all should get trained as counselors. You, this, the world needs people." To be, the way they spoke to her was amazing, and I was like, "You know, what can we do?" And they said, "No, this is what we are doing, and it's, it's okay." But here is the thing: there are people in pain all around us. How are we reaching out? I want to pray that the Lord would open our eyes to see. And second, is the Lord heal that paralyzed man? Said, get up and walk. I want to pray that God will show us what to do. Yeah, we want to pray, we but we have limitations. What else can we do? How else can we reach out to people? Because one day we have to face God, who says, "I was hungry, and where were you?" I was thirsty. Where were you? I was in prison. Where were you? What is our response then going to be? And <laughs> somebody said a very wise thing. He says all social media has begun so that nobody has an excuse. Because God said, "I saw your activity on Facebook, Instagram. I saw, I saw everything you were doing. Don't tell me you had no time." I have all your scrolling histories with me, and that's so true. We are so busy with things that have no lasting impact, and we have kept important, eternity-shaping things as kachra. I pray today that we would do something. Why? Because as Paul writes, his love compels me. I don't have an option. If I reach out to Him, if I am loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind, I have no option. It will flow out from me to others. If I am not loving Him, I have a choice. I'm tired today, but if I am loving Him, if I am laying my all before Him, there is no option but to serve. So I'm going to pray, and I want those who say yes. I want to be. I want to commit my life to serving, to loving this God with all my heart, mind. By ourselves, we can do nothing. So there is no pressure that, okay, what do I do now? No, no, you don't have to worry what you're doing. I'm going to pray that God opens our eyes, that we may see. He speaks to our paralyzed body that we may be able to do, but it's only when we love Him can we serve others. So I want to just pray that our eyes are open and that we can walk. But if you feel that yeah, I want to love the Lord my God with everything I am, I'll invite you to stand, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, we want to thank you for who you are. This gospel life, Lord, of living a life worthy of the gospel, is so simple yet so profound. It may seem almost simplistic that oh, I just have to. Love God, but we are not even capable of that. 
And so, Lord, we stand this afternoon and we turn to you and say, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. For apart from you, we can do nothing. We can't even change our own habits. We just feel trapped in so many areas of our life. But through you, and that is our hope, through you all things are possible. Through you we are able, we are able to walk. We are able to persevere. So we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill us. Change our hearts that we may be more like you, Lord Jesus. Cause us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind and soul. And that we may serve one another. We may love each other. Not just people in this room. But there is a hurting world. There is a hurting world. That we may be able to reach out with wisdom. Come Lord, open our eyes. Stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to us. That in all that we are and all that we do, you will be glorified. We have this confidence to ask, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.